Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan Little. I'm here with the 75th episode of Weekly Poker Hand. And it's actually come to my attention that the last three hands I've posted, I've had three of a kind every time. And it's important to recognize that I am posting hands that I think are fun and interesting. And sometimes they're bluffs. Sometimes they're marginal made hands. But usually, they're pretty strong holdings. And that is simply because whenever a lot of money goes into a pot, you typically do want to have a good hand. Scott Clements in Excelling at No Limit Hold'em actually discusses this concept thoroughly. He actually mentioned playing the World Series of Poker Asia Pacific, I think it was, where he played almost no hands for two or three hours, then got, I think it was pocket aces, got it all in and doubled up. No problem. And you have to recognize that if your opponents are willing to give you action whenever you have big hands... You don't have to do anything too incredibly crazy. So do not think that you have to be in there raising and re-raising every single pot and running huge bluffs all the time. While there are a few players who do that, and certainly all good players are capable of doing it at certain moments, it's really not necessary to be blatantly crazy all the time. You can actually get a free 16-page PDF from Excelling at No Limit Hold'em at hold'embook.com if you want to check that out. This hand is from a 5,000 euro buy-in European poker tour event, I think, although I'm not entirely sure. In this hand, my opponent is actually a loose, aggressive kid, and giving someone a tag of loose, aggressive kid does not always do their image justice, because quite often, a loose, aggressive kid can just be slightly active or he can be blatantly crazy and the blatantly crazy player should be approached very differently than the just mildly aggressive guys so in this hand i have queen two offsuit in the small blind we're playing 150 300 with a 25 ante actually with a 50 ante or no 25 ante and everyone folds to me in the small blind. So we both are playing 30,000 deep, so 100 big blinds. This is a spot where if my opponent was really crazy, I'd probably just fold. But against most people, I think limping is fine. I also think raising is fine. But against a lot of loose, aggressive players, I'd rather develop a limping strategy so that whenever I limp, I have the capability to limp call a decent amount of the time and go from there. So I like calling queen two offsuit. Obviously, it's a horrible hand, but I think it's fine to limp and then fold to a raise most of the time. So flop comes queen, seven, six. And at this point, I decided to bet 400 into the 825 pot. And I think this is perfectly fine with top pair. Oh, actually, in this um, this tournament's coming back to me. It's actually a 2,000 euro turbo event. 2,000 euro six-handed turbo, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, so this loose aggressive kid was a player who you could kind of tell was looking to get out of line and run some sort of insane play. Another thing that is discussed in Excelling at No Limit Hold'em by Zach Elwood is a lot of the typical tells that you frequently see at the poker table. And quite often, especially if you are well-versed in tells and are really just keeping your eyes open and paying attention to your opponents, you can tell when they are about to attempt to run an insane bluff on you. I know that sounds a little bit crazy to just know they are going to be willing to get out of line, but... I've had many times in my career where you could really just look and tell. You could tell the guy is going to try to outplay you. That doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to wake up with a hand sometimes, but he has ideas of getting after getting after it versus you. And actually, a pretty sick play to put on a player like myself who's paying attention to this 
is to perhaps look at them as if you are going to put an insane play and an insane play on them and then just never do it. <laughs> so pretty cool leveling war you could do just by looking at a guy funny. So anyway, I'm at 400 on queen seven, six with top pair, bad kicker opponent calls turns a Jack putting up a backdoor flush draw. I like to check and my opponent checks behind. I think betting would be perfectly fine. But if you think your opponent is about to try to get out of line against you, then obviously you should not bet unless you think you can bet and they will raise you on the turn and then blast off on the river, which maybe my opponent's capable of, but I find that a lot of players really have a hard time continuing if they're floating the flop whenever you bet the turn. A lot of people just get out of the way, as they should. So rivers of five, boards queen, seven, six, jack, five. So... I have the best hand here almost every time, I think. My opponent probably has a hand like a 7, maybe a 6, maybe ace high, maybe some small pair. So I definitely think I have the best hand. So the question becomes, should I bet for value or should I check? Seeing how my opponent check behind the turn, I don't think that my opponent's going to value bet thinly on the river. I think he's probably just going to let uh, check and then hope to win with the random 8-7 on the river, for example, for a middle pair. So I decided to bet. I like to bet 1100 which is kind of a big bet. I think that this is probably a little bit larger than I would typically make if I was making a bet purely as a value bet, thinking my opponent's going to call with some worse hands. But here, this is an interesting spot because I actually got the vibe in this hand that my opponent was looking to outplay me, right? And if I have that vibe, I want to do something that makes my opponent question what I'm doing. I want him to be unsure if I'm playing straightforwardly or not. And so I like to go a little bit larger than I typically do. And then, not really surprisingly, my opponent made it 3,600. So a fairly sizable raise. And at this point, I recognize that my whole range is a bluff catcher, but I think I'm actually calling here with a very, very wide range. I mean, probably a 7 or better, I think I can realistically call. Maybe even a 6 or better. Maybe a 5 or better. Maybe just any pair. <laughs> I do think some good players will take a hand like 6-3 and turn it into a bluff on the river because they recognize that they're beat almost every time whenever they call. Uh, Some players maybe even will turn 7 into a bluff. That's something you don't really see a whole lot in America is players recognizing they have nearly the bottom of their range on the river and then bluffing with it. Because if you think about my opponent's flop calling range, it's going to be a lot of ace highs, a lot of queens, a lot of sevens, a lot of sixes, and a lot of draws. When the five comes on the river, a lot of the draws get there like 8-5, well, 8-5 is a pair now, but 9-8 um, eight, eight is a straight, 4-3 for the flopped gut shots is straight, 8-4 um, for the flopped gut shots is straight, and 8-5 makes a pair. But a lot of people will take that 8-5 and play it as if it was the other straights because they recognize they really should not have too many weak hands in their range. Although I do think in this spot, perhaps those hands are a little bit too good to raise, but I guess it doesn't really make much of a difference. You have to recognize like ace, king, and eight, five are very similar in this scenario. They, they both just lose to my value betting range, I think. So this is a tough spot. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a tough spot for me in this exact scenario, given the reads I had, but this typically would be a tough spot because I think a lot of good players are going to be somewhat balanced in this scenario. You're going to find that the vast majority of the time, the vast, vast majority of the time against the standard guys in standard situations, when you bet the river and they raise, you have an, a very, very easy fold. This actually happened at the World Series main event recently where someone made a bet on the river when the board ran out kind of like this. It was a little bit worse than this. They got raised and they just easily folded top pair bad kicker. And here, 
I think I actually have a pretty easy call. Not because of the board or anything like that, but purely because of my physical reads. I wish there was a way to show that to you guys, but unfortunately it is impossible. You'll have to trust me. <laughs> my opponent did end up showing ace five. So he actually rivered a pair and did decide to turn it into a bluff, which is interesting. You don't expect to see that too often, but that is what happened this time. I guess it's a good thing I didn't have ace king. And that is why you do need to be a little bit less inclined to call down with ace king in that spot. So that's going to be it for this week. To get a free 16-page PDF extract from Excelling at No Limit Hold'em, go to holdembook.com and let me know what you think. You can tweet at me whenever you want, at Jonathan Little, and I tweet back all the time. I'm happy to answer any questions you have, and I will talk to you next week.